Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week I turn to the words of Scripture and the power of our faith to find teachings to help us through these troubled times. I hope that you'll find something of value for you here if you're a lifelong Christian believer or just seeking meaning in your life. This week I'll be talking about how we can find comfort when dealing with the reality of our mortality. I begin with a single verse from the Gospel of John, with Peter speaking to Jesus. Peter says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A college friend of mine called me yesterday to tell me that his mother had died. Helen died in a nursing home in Phoenix at the age of 95. Although she died from complications of a COVID-19 infection, due to cognitive decline, she was unaware of the existence of COVID and died peacefully in her sleep. Prior to her losing consciousness, her family was allowed to visit her and say their goodbyes. Jerry and I shared stories of his mother's down-home, overabundant cooking that she would force-feed me when I would visit them on their Iowa farm. We went on to share memories of our hard-working parents and how lucky we were to grow up when and where we did. And we realized that at 72, now we're both orphans. When someone dies, a great reservoir of memories is tapped, and the stories come flowing out. The memories produce laughter and tears, often at the same time. It's no wonder that the writer of Proverbs said, the memory of the righteous is a blessing. These losses also inevitably evoke thoughts of our own mortality. Although Jerry and I joked about being orphans on Social Security, we were acknowledging that we were moving toward the head of the line. We'll be next. Tick tock. Where has life gone? COVID-19 has a lot of us thinking overtime about our mortality. Friends have told me that they lay awake at night worrying about dying of the virus. They picture their friends or family members on a respirator in a sterile hospital room, isolated during their final moments from those they love. People also talk about having a COVID dream, where they wake up drenched in sweat, hyperventilating with their hearts pounding wildly. There's nothing new about experiencing anxiety about dying pandemic has just brought those fears more to the surface. Not only are we facing a very real and lethal threat, many of us have more time to sit at home and think about it. The news media keep throwing it in our faces. The fear and uncertainty of death is universal. What happens to us when we die? Will we see our loved ones again? Those questions lie at the heart of much great literature. But more to the point, dealing with death underlies religious thought and the content of our faith. During Jesus' ministry, religious leaders of the day questioned his teachings and his claim of spiritual power. He confronted his disciples and asked them if they planned to desert him as a result of those attacks. But Peter says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. There you have it. Peter believed 
that Jesus possessed the answer to the pain and anxiety of death, the power of eternal life. Jesus could answer the eternal question for Peter. Does he have an answer for you and me? Focusing on our death can cripple us with fear. We can try to ignore or deny our fears and feelings. Or we can use this as an opportunity to do some important, I might suggest the most important spiritual work for our happiness and well-being. This is an opportune time for us to explore our faith and our feelings about death and eternal life. This is where the rubber meets the road for faith and religion. If our faith is going to be of value to us, it must address that deepest of all questions. What happens to us when we die? One of Jesus' most helpful teachings about eternal life occurs after he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Political opposition was, opposition was growing against Jesus because of his popularity among the people, and he knew that he would soon be killed. The disciples were distraught by his acceptance of his impending death, and so he tells them, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus preached and taught in a rural area, so he used an agricultural image that people could understand. When a grain of wheat, or a kernel of corn for that matter, is planted in the soil, it shrivels and dies and ceases to exist in its current form. From that grain or kernel, Many more are produced in return. In the case of wheat, each head will bear about 25 kernels, and each plant produces about five heads, making the total produce from one seed about 125. Corn's even more prolific. An average ear of corn holds 800 kernels, and each corn plant produces two to four ears. So the total yield from one seed is 1,600 to 3,200. The message? When a seed dies, it not only brings forth new life, that new life is multiplied. Those of us who grew up in farm country are familiar with the principle of new and abundant life for old. The fields lie fallow over winter, but when the cold white pall of snow is pulled back by the sun in the spring and the farmers trust their precious seed to the earth, the seeds germinate grow and produce new life in return, enough new life to make a profit. This is a miracle in the fullest sense of the word. Death is not the end of life. It is the beginning of new life in abundance. It's a universal principle. Jesus implies that the same is true of us. To continue with the agricultural image, when our mortal bodies are buried in the earth, that's not the end of us. We germinate into new and eternal life. Our old lives and our old bodies are not simply restored. They are multiplied infinitely. They are created new and better. Paul, who wrote after Christ rose from the dead, 
tried to explain the resurrection to the followers of the new religion, which was based on a Jesus emerging from the tomb. Paul said, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. These are words of the greatest optimism and comfort. As much as we love this life, as much as we enjoy the morning sunrise and the loving companionship of our family and friends, what we look forward to beyond this life is much greater. Call it heaven or eternal life. As Christians, we believe that the best is yet to come. Paul was anxious to experience this eternal life. He said in Philippians, For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. In my experience as a pastor, I have met faithful Christians who have said the same thing. One older woman who I knew for years would say every time I would visit her, I just can't wait to die and live in heaven. It will be so beautiful. She meant it. She had a pure and unwavering faith. She died in peace. But she was the exception. I don't know of many people living fulfilling lives or miserable lives for that matter, who are chomping at the bit to enter eternity or who want their loved ones to leave them behind. See, there's a catch in that passage I read in which Jesus talks about the grain of wheat. He says, those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And when he says hate their life, he means willing to give it up. You know, I love my life. I don't feel ready to let go of it. Letting go of life means letting go of everyone and everything that's important to me. And that's what plagues us in the middle of the night when we have our death terrors. We don't want to let go of this life. I remember having a conversation about dying with my dad one time. I must have only been 10 or 11 years old, but I think about it all the time. He was a sort of a common man's philosopher. He would sit at the table every night after supper, smoking a cigarette and pondering the deepest of mysteries. I don't know what put him in such a somber mood on that one night, but he put his cigarette in the ashtray and with a tear in his eye said, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just going to miss you all so much. Well, he lived for more than 20 years after that, so it's not as though he was having some kind of premonition. I will carry these words, though, with me until I take my last breath. I'm going to miss you all, and this all, so much. I'll miss my life. How can we find comfort from our troubling thoughts and dreams about dying? How can we reconcile ourselves with letting go and having to say goodbye? 
First, being able to let go of this life does not mean that we should seek to be miserable in it. It doesn't mean that we need to deny the beauty and goodness of life so that we'll be glad when it's over. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life in abundance. And we should cherish life and live it to its fullest. We should take advantage of every moment that we have to share with the people we love. We should live meaningful lives of value and service to others. When we live fulfilling lives, we will have no regrets. And that will make it for possible for us to let go. This life is precious. It's a gift, albeit too short. So when you wake up in the morning after one of those bad nights, go out and live your life to the fullest. One of the good things about the new normal that we talk about with the COVID pandemic is that many of us are seeing just how important our relationships are. Deepening our relationships with those we love will make us appreciate them even more and will, like my father said, make us not let want to let go of them. But on the other hand, it will make letting go possible and meaningful. Make the best of it. Carpe diem, seize the day. While we are enjoying those who are still alive, it can also help us to remember those we've lost, like Helen or my dad. We can take time to share stories of the people we love, just like Jerry and I did about his mother. I came away from our conversation comforted about my own fate. It's reassuring to know that someday others will keep the memories of me alive in their stories. I hope that they'll be able to laugh and cry when they remember the times that we had. In the present, I can be assured that they will be able to carry on without me. I don't need to worry about them. We can also find comfort in going back again and again to the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Every time we read the Easter story and reread the story of his emerging from the tomb, the Spirit will open new insights within us. We will learn, for one thing, that the people who knew Jesus intimately while he was alive struggled to understand what his resurrection meant for them. Their understanding was imperfect, but they became convinced of the reality of eternal life. Our understanding of eternal life is also imperfect, but our faith can grow to convince us of its reality, even while we live. We are already living a small part of eternity. Our fears and uncertainties do not condemn us. God does not condemn us for them. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, Jesus threw himself on the ground in anguish and prayed that he wouldn't have to face the ordeal of death. On the cross, he cried out in abandonment. But God brought him through the ordeal and raised him in the glory of new and eternal life. God will bring you and me through the ordeal and raise us to eternal life. I found that it's helpful to talk about our fears and anxieties with others. We may have to work hard to break down the isolation we're experiencing during the pandemic, but it can be done. We will find that we share similar concerns and ask similar questions about life and death, 
whether we talk with our friends face-to-face, over the phone, or even in a text exchange. We can share our hopes and dreams, including the hope of being reunited in our life with those we love in this life. Let me end by sharing the words that I would have said if I were presiding at my friend's mother's funeral. O God of grace and glory, we remember before you today our sister Helen. We thank you for giving her to us and to know and to love as a companion in our pilgrimage on earth. In your boundless compassion, console us who mourn. Give us faith to see that death has been swallowed up in the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may live in confidence and hope until by your call we are gathered to our heavenly home in the company of all your saints. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God grant you comfort and peace through the message of eternal life.